0: Are you ready to hear his word? Yeah, is there a stirring in your heart to hear what God's going to speak, his character, his goodness, his love into your life this morning? Yeah, that's why we're here, isn't it? Yeah, we might as well go home and have a cup of tea now and have a biscuit and go home. But we want to hear what he's saying to us, yeah? So we're going to be encouraged. Let's welcome Dave, one of our elders. Come on, Dave, let's welcome him. Encourage him. he does a lot of work behind the scenes, this guy, a lot of stuff that you don't really realise, we're blessed to have this guy with us, so Dave, come and minister to us this morning, yeah? Oh dear. Yeah, yeah. Chat, sorry, chat in the, t- well, you oh. can, yeah, go on, you can say it. Chat in, chat the, in the chapel, chapel. <laughs> so, <laughs> so John, in the, building. in the building, not chat in the chapel, but in here, John Cliff tomorrow night, um, 7.30, part three, yeah. part three, how many have you got in total? Hopefully no more than four. <laughs> it's, the <end> <laughs> it's the end times. So it could is that... What? It could go on. It could go on and on and on. But we're, we're believing for four, maybe five. Four, okay. But tomorrow night, half past seven here. What he has been bringing over the last few months, each week or whatever, when he does it, is profound. I, I couldn't understand what he understands. And the way he brings it out, I do understand. So I, I would recommend getting in tomorrow night if you can. If you can't, it is being recorded. It does go on YouTube. But don't just use that as an excuse to stay home tomorrow, thinking I'll catch up later. Be in. It gives you an opportunity. If you don't understand what John's saying, stick your hand up, ask a question. Challenge him. Make him think. think. (laughs) Anyway, that's tomorrow night. Today. Wow. Dan said I do quite a lot behind the scenes. And I'm used to these putting them on Dan, putting them on Rob, okay? I'm used to that. I've never put it on myself. I didn't know what it feels like. And over the last month or so, I've read a couple of autobiographies. And I've just got to the end of Britney Spears' autobiography. And wearing this right now, if I suddenly burst into song and dance, I do apologise, okay? (laughs) Something like that. Anyway... (laughs) That's an opener, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, let's move on quickly from that. <laughs> who, I want to know, okay, who already has got their Christmas tree up? Wow, quite a few. See, I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of social media, okay? I, I like going on social media. I, I like reading. I like posting or whatever. But there are some downsides to it. And one of the downsides of social media is very often it's the extremes of people's opinion that come out. And what I've seen over the last few weeks is two extremes of Christmas. You have got one camp, which I'll be honest, is primarily filled with ladies, okay, um, where as of the 1st of November, there is an excitement for Christmas is coming. The 1st of November, that's when Christmas begins. The decorations go up, there's excitement in the air, and we're looking forward to Christmas. In the other camp, primarily filled with the men, you've got Scrooge. (laughs) There, yes, see, I can see some here. Okay? And I would argue, my wife would argue, most people who know me would argue, that I fit into the grumpy Scrooge category. I am not interested in Christmas in November, okay, or December, (laughs) but I love Christmas, people don't think I do, but I do, I love Christmas, but what I hate is everything that goes with it. I hate all the decorations, okay, I could do without all of that, the stress, the cost, don't get me talking about the cost. The Christmas carols and the Christmas songs. Oh my goodness. By the time we get to Christmas, I've heard every single one of them a thousand times. And I've had enough. I could do away with all of that. But there's one thing about Christmas that every year I do tend to have a bit of a, a, a think back on and a look at. And it's not something that we particularly focus too greatly on. But it's Advent. See, there's something about Advent that I do like. Not the Advent calendars, okay? <laughs> why is it Why is it we're being taught to have one piece of chocolate a day? I don't get that. Now, if you've seen our house, okay, our evenings consist of getting the kids to bed... And having large amounts of chocolate every night. One little piece isn't enough. We had a conversation yesterday at the food bank. There were some donuts provided for those that were helping. And, and Dan turned down his donut. He had had a pasty and he said, not for me, thanks. Okay? His, his, his reasoning was this. Oh, Do you ever get those days when you just, you've eaten a bit too much and you just go, no, I can't eat any more? And both me and Catherine turned around and went, no, (laughs) no, (laughs) genuinely have no idea what you're talking about. A big pasty. pasty. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, Advent, there's something about Advent. The word is built up from the Latin ad and the Latin veneer. To and veneer meaning come, to come. There's something to come. There's an arrival expected. We're looking forward. And in that, there's a sense of waiting. We're waiting. And what are we waiting on? Who are we waiting on? What are we looking forward to? Say it it louder, Lorraine. I think you might have the right answer. Jesus we're in church people of course he answers Jesus come on I'm not like Bob, I won't trick you but I've got all my notes in the wrong order there we go but if you just simply quickly revert to well we're waiting for Jesus because that's the pat answer that's what we know then there's a danger that you've missed a revelation of what Christmas is really all about And so I want to pause and hold it on Advent for now, and we'll come back to this in a minute. But what is it? Who is it we're waiting for? And yes, it is Jesus. But Jesus at Christmas is so much more bigger than the nativity and the Christmas production, 17th of December, make sure you're there. It's so much more bigger than the celebrations and the family gatherings. It's so much more bigger than from the 1st of November or from Christmas Eve, it's so much more bigger. Jesus, at Christmas, did something so powerful, so incredible. So I'll come back to Advent in a moment. A few weeks ago, the elders um, had a meeting with the trustees, and and we sat over in children's church, and Rob pointed out something about being in that room. And he got us all to look around, and all around that room, if you've ever had the opportunity to go into the children's church um, hut over there, what Kelly and the team have been doing is teaching our children the characters of God, the characteristics of God. And as soon as you walk in, you are surrounded by the truth of who God is. You're surrounded by a massive poster that says he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. There's one that says that he's sovereign, he's in control. There's one that says he's omnipresent, he's, he's ever-present, he's always with us. There's one that says he is good, there's one that says he is wise. There's one that says he's all-knowing, omniscient, there's one that says he's faithful. And there's loads of these around the room explaining to our children the characteristics of God. And Rob asks us all to pick one that right in this moment is talking to us. Because when we just say Jesus or when we just say God... It encapsulates all of this. But sometimes it's one particular facet and aspect of God that we need in our lives right now. And so for some people, they were talking about the sovereignty, the fact that God's in control. The situation seems out of control. But when I look at God and I focus on that characteristic, knowing and remembering that he is sovereign, I know he's in control. For some people, it was about wisdom. And there was this need for like what well, I don't understand this, but I trust God's wisdom in it. For some, it was about being faithful and, and the, 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 the aspect of God, the characteristic of God that they really focused on in that moment was the fact that he was faithful. He's always been faithful. And for me, I was going to preach a few weeks ago and God moved the meeting in a different direction and and I had this word, and, and the next day we, we had this conversation. And for me, it was God's goodness. The fact that God is good. He is good. And I'll be honest, when I was preparing a preach last time a few weeks ago, I, I struggled. I was embarrassed. I was stood in the room. I'm kind of glad the meeting moved in the way it did, because I was shaking like a leaf. I'm someone who... You probably, those who know me quite probably think I, I thrive being center of attention. But over the last few years, something's happened in me, and I'd much rather be behind there than stood here. And I'm shaking like a leaf. I'm, I'm, fit, I'm actually scared to come and speak. And one of the reasons why I'm scared is because the revelation that I'm bringing was so simple. You know, Dan said, I'm, I'm an elder. I'm, I'm supposed to be this spiritual person, aren't I, as an elder? You're supposed to be... Knowing these things and being brilliant, and and I remember years and years and years ago when Dan was a lot shorter than he is now, <laughs> he brought a word, and the word was so profound that that became the word for the year. Do you remember what that word was? <laughs> Nevertheless, <laughs> other people remember. That's how good Dan is. Dan's so good that you can remember what he brought years ago. Chris brought a word not long back. He brought a word about pausing and reflecting. And we've been putting them on YouTube. And for a long time, it was the most viewed video we've got on YouTube. Chris is amazing. And I'm going to bring a word that's so simple that just, yeah, God's good. We know God is good. That's not a revelation. Come on, God. You've got to give me something more powerful than that. And I struggled like mad to think, I'm going to bring a word that just simply is God is good. But you see... It's not about a fresh revelation or profound word. But the one thing about this phrase, this, this, this characteristic of God for me, was about stripping everything away and getting back to basics. Getting right back to where God is. Just me and God. Just you and God. Strip everything away. We, we add so much in church. And none of it's particularly bad. You know, we teach so much and it's so important, you know, to serve. It is so important that we serve. And those guys that came yesterday serving to help the, the food bank, so important. It's a, it's a characteristic and an aspect that, that we're encouraged. To worship is so important and, and we have to come together and, and be together in church and, and to worship collectively and to worship on our own. There's so many aspects of our Christian life that are so important and I'm not going to take anything away from any of that. But for me, where I was at right now, I just had to strip everything away and come right back to the fact and to the the necessary of the fact that we need to get back to basics. That works. Brilliant. Get right back to basics. You see... The reason why I've come to this point is I was watching a video. It was 9-11, so the anniversary of what happened in America on that fateful day. And this person asked in this video, said, what is the gospel message? And people who she was talking to were talking about this hope. In this gospel message, people talk about the, the hope and the future that God's got for you. They talk about the fact that God heals and and and. Um, and, and they talked about lots of different things that are all true none of it was false none of it was um, wrong but then she turned around this person asking the question but if you were to speak to someone in the morning of that day and you talk to them about a hope and a future and by the end of that day they were no longer on this earth does that mean the gospel message wasn't relevant to them? no it doesn't But I had to strip it all away and just get back to the fact, well, what is the gospel message that is so much bigger than these 75, 80, 100 years we've got on earth? Because if all it is is a gospel message for the 75, 80, 100 years we've got on earth, then you're right. Those people, it wasn't relevant to them because they didn't have another 75, 80 years. They had hours, minutes, gone So stripping it all back, looking back to basics and deep diving into this goodness of God again. You see, God being good, it isn't just about what he does, but it's his very nature. It's his very nature that God is good. You see, in Exodus, Moses petitions and says to God, show me your glory. And in God's response, I'll show you my goodness. His goodness passed. His goodness is His glory. His glory is His goodness. It's His very nature. In Psalm 31, it says, Oh, how great is His goodness. How great is His goodness. The word great is large in abundance. It's majorly important. It's weighty. It's significant. His goodness is encapsulating all of God. Many of the Psalms declare he is good and his love endures forever. You see, this book is full of testament to God's goodness. It's showing us and revealing to us his very nature. You see, Psalm 119, it says, God is good and he does good. And I think it's at this point, maybe some people might start to challenge that statement of God is good. Because this Psalm 119 takes God is good, it takes his nature and starts to reveal God does good, his action. And in our human mindset, we can look at what appears to be God's action and say, well, that wasn't good. And this is where people then start to challenge God's nature because they separate the two and look on an action and say, well, how can God be good if he allows this? How can God be good if I'm going through this? And we forget that God's nature is his goodness. And he does good. Don't separate the two. Now with that comes a caveat, because I I get it. I 100% get it. There are times we go through that everything within my being says that's not good. There are things that you're going through that everything within my being says that's not good. And I get that. And it breaks my heart to, to see some of the things that some people go through. It's a challenge, some of the stuff that I go through and that we see, and and I can't speak into the things you'll go into and say it'll be all right, because very often that doctor's report is correct. Very often what that doctor said is right. Very often your bank balance is telling you the truth. Very often when that bill comes, it needs to be paid. And you go, this isn't good. Very often, that relationship that you're struggling with is a struggle. But here's where the caveat comes because we're looking at these things through our human eyes. And yet, in Isaiah, it says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways, my ways are higher. You know, we are but human, God is God. Now, if you want to bring God down to a level of our understanding, you will make God so small. Or if you want to elevate yourself to understand God, well, there's somebody else that did that and put himself on a par with God and he got kicked out of heaven. There are some things that we just have to accept, I don't get it. But because I know God's nature, I know he is good. For you right now, you may need to know that God is with you. And it may feel that he isn't. But if you can get hold of the fact that he is omnipresent, he is ever-present, whether you feel it in your human mind, to some extent is irrelevant. The truth is he is with you. Whether it feels that he's let you down, because that situation you're facing, it, it wasn't the way you seemed it should go. He is faithful. His nature and his characteristic is he is faithful. You see, I watched a TV program. Carol put me onto it. And what I'll say is this TV program is purely something as entertainment. It's called Messiah, but you've got to take away everything. In the same way that you'd watch Toy Story, knowing full well the toys aren't really coming to life. Sorry, Lee. I, I can see I've just flopped a bomb right there. <laughs> Crumbs. But do you know what I mean? So there's a TV program, Messiah, and it's, it's depicting an idea. Um, and the storyline is all about this, this guy that appears like he might be Jesus. I want to tell you, in my opinion, there's nothing biblical about this TV series. So don't go home thinking, I've got to watch it to learn anything. Come tomorrow night if you want to know the second coming of Jesus. But there's a scene in it that challenged me. And this, this Messiah character does something that seems out of characteristic. And this little boy says, but you were supposed to save him. And this character who's depicting like Jesus turns around and says, no, I wasn't. And very often, it, it, it challenges me because very often we say to God, you were supposed to do X, Y, and Z. Because in our human understanding, that's what we think God should do. And he doesn't do what we expect. Because his ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. I don't get it. I wish I could. Because some of the situations I know of in this room, I don't get. God, why? But he is good. Matthew 7. Matthew 7 says this. I love this. Talking of a good father. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. What man is there among you, who if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? This verse is talking about asking, seeking, knocking, and you will receive. You will get the answers. And yet, very often, it appears that we don't. It appears big emphasis on that. It appears that we don't. Now with God being so good, I just wonder in his understanding how often it says if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? We don't get given that serpent. We don't appear to get given anything. But in God's wisdom, I wonder how many times we're actually asking for a serpent because we don't understand what we're asking for. One of my biggest testimonies of recent years is how God turned our family finances around. About four years ago now, we sat down and we weighed up our finances. And we looked at what was coming in and we looked at what was going out and we looked at what we had owed. Because for various reasons, some of it unfortunate circumstances that were beyond our control, Some of it, poor decision-making. Some of it, unwise decisions. We were in a situation where we sat on a debt of unsecured loans of over £50,000. And it's impossible. It's impossible. What we had coming in couldn't cover that. And yet, in a period of three years, arguably two, and i I can talk to anyone who wants to know the full story, but God turned that around and completely cleared that debt. Did he suddenly drop into our bank account 50,000 pounds? No. But was that what I was asking for? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Clear this debt. Overnight, he could have done it. And you know what? He does do it. I've heard of testimonies of people who have had that. Sickness, he can heal it overnight. Whatever's in your body right now, he can just heal it there and then. And often he does. There are testimonies around the world. There are testimonies in this room of God does that. But sometimes he takes us through it. You see, I'm asking God, clear this debt I'm asking for a serpent. I'm asking for a scorpion. I'm asking for something bad because I know full well that if I just suddenly come into a big windfall, I would have learned nothing of how to handle finance. God is good. And his nature is good. That's his characteristics. And with that in mind, you see, I said about Advent and looking to Jesus, you see, to really understand this Jesus at Christmas and this advent of what we're looking towards, you need to strip everything right back to way, way, way before that first nativity. You see Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 says this, and I love this. Ephesians 1. says this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Just as he chose us in him, this good God chose you. This all-powerful God chose you. This faithful God chose you. Before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, he chose you. This whole story, this whole book, going right back to Genesis, is this good God wanting to be with you. You see, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But before the beginning, he chose you. So when he was creating heaven and earth, he had you in mind. He could see you sat there right now and he said, I'm going to say, let there be light. He could see you sat there right now and he's going to say, let there be light. He's going to separate the the earth. He's going to create everything that there is, the, the land and the sea. He's going to fill it. You see, that's an amazing thing. If you actually take time to go through Genesis, I find this fascinating. See, he says, make light. But it's not till day three, day four, that he makes the sun and the moon. See, the light was there and he fills it. He creates the sea, but it's not till later that he fills it. He creates land and it's not till later that he fills it. He's preparing everything. You see, he makes the seas and prepares them ready for the fish. He makes the land and he prepares it ready for the animals. He makes the the light and he prepares it ready for the sun and the moon and the stars. He's made everything in preparation for the fact that in 2023, you'll be here because he chose you before. And this Bible goes through this incredible, incredible story of how God just longs to be with his people. He just longs to be with you. Creates everything, makes Adam and Eve, they're walking with God. But the enemy, oh, how he moves so deceitfully. He sneaks in as a serpent. And most of you will know that there's a falling away. They make a decision, sin comes into this world. There's a separation now between man and God. But God chose you. He could see you. Even while all this is going on, he sees you, Dan. He says, I'm not, I'm not happy with this. I want to be with you. And he causes Adam and Eve to come back together. And they have a little baby. And this is an a, a absolutely fascinating verse I, I just happened to stumble upon um, through another uh, teacher that I was hearing. But... A little baby is born called Enosh. Now, sin is expanding. You've got Cain and Abel who have killed each other. Oh, sorry, Cain has killed Abel. Um, (laughs) Sin is expanding. Things are getting worse. This world is not the world God created. Man has turned away from God. But this little baby is born, Enosh. And it says, just this one verse of him, that when Enosh was born the people started to cry out to the Lord again. There was something about this baby that suddenly reminded everyone, hold on a minute, what about God? And they started to call out and cry out to God and return to God. But, as is man, we we tend to be quite stupid. The Bible says we're like sheep, though we've all gone astray. We're just wandering around. We we just forget things so quickly. and, And sin starts to expand again and it escalates to the point where God floods the earth. But he doesn't just destroy everything. He pulls out Noah. And he says, create me an ark and, and bring two of every animal and, and gather your family. And, and he saves. And so he destroys the whole earth with this flood. But he saves his family. And it all starts again. But as his people, we have this habit of wandering away. I mean, obviously not you guys, but I know in my life I, I do this. I mean, I, I have this habit of thinking, God, you're amazing one day. And then the next day I'm like, yeah, but I can do it my way better. And I start to do things my way and it all goes wrong. And but God pulls out a guy called Abraham, uh, Abraham and he changes his name to Abraham. And he says, look into the stars, count them. And they're countless, but that's the nation I'm going to create. That's your descendants. And this d- nation of Israel rises up. And the story of Joseph is, is this famine is coming. I'll come to a famine in a minute. This famine is coming. And Joseph, in his dreams, he, he saves all these people, these Israelites, and takes them into Egypt where they are rescued. But, of course, we know Egypt, as they get bigger, is not too keen on this big nation being within them. It's worrying. So they put them into captivity. And all of a sudden now, God's people are held in captivity. So God rises up Moses. Moses rises up and he says, go to Pharaoh. Tell him, set my people go. Because he's not prepared for you, Richie, to be in captivity. Because he chose you way before this even happened. And he's got you in his mind. So Moses takes these people into Jericho, the promised land. and, And then we get to a point where people being people are now still loving God, still worshipping God, but I also worship these things as well, and I create my own aspects, and there's tar- talk between these two, and that duplicity of God is amazing and the world is amazing, and the end of Judges says that people are doing things in their own eyes. They were doing what was right in their own eyes, and I look at today's society and I think, that sounds very familiar, where people just do what they want in their own eyes, and and so he rises up someone else with Ruth in the story of Ruth, who starts off quite tragic, arguably, at the start, but turns it around as she meets Boaz, and they have a baby and they have a baby, and the descendants of such a David, and the descendants of David follow on through till we get to Jesus. till we get to Jesus. After 400 years of silence, God speaks with a baby's cry. You see, this is why when I say, if you just jump straight to Christmas and it's waiting for Jesus, and Christmas is about Jesus, without fully grasping, why have we even got Jesus? You see, Jesus is a huge revelation. It's an incredible revelation because what Jesus then does is he goes on to that cross. And he, he dies a death that really we should die because the wages of sin is death. And Jesus hasn't sinned. Jesus never sinned. But he took on the sins of the world. He took on everything I've done wrong. Everything I've done my own way. Everything I've messed up. And so even before the beginning, even before the foundations of the world, he chose me. He chose you. That we should be holy and without blame. You see, I am holy and I am without blame because Jesus died and took all of that away. Amen. Having predestined us and adopted us. We've brought us into his family. This good God has brought me into his family. Predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ for Himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted. I am accepted. You are accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption. You have been redeemed. Bought with a price. That price was his blood. The forgiveness. You are forgiven. Everything you have done in the last five minutes, in the last 50 years. You are forgiven of the sins. According to the riches of his grace, in which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he purposed in him, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together all one things in Christ, both which are in heaven and are on earth in him. In him we have also obtained an inheritance. Everything that God has is yours. We have got an inheritance. We have been being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the His will. That, he, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom, having, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. All of this has been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now, I read Matthew, didn't I, earlier, and talked about the good father. You see, in Luke, he relays that same story, but he uses a slightly different phrasing. And I love this because it turns, it takes what Matthew has said. And gives us a different revelation of what Jesus meant It's the same words, it's the same phrase. It's the same moment on that God that Jesus is speaking about. But in Luke 11 from verse nine, it says this. So I say to you, "Ask, and it' will be given. Seek and you will find knock, and it' will be opened." I've heard that in Matthew. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and him who knocks will be opened. We heard that in Matthew. For if a son asks for bread from any, um, from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? We heard that in Matthew. If he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Just exaggerating it a little bit more, making the point. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. We heard that in Matthew. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? You see, the good is the Holy Spirit within you. Don't look for the physical things of what God is doing. Look to his nature of who he is. You see, I love this quote from Tozer. It says this, Sometimes I go to God and I will say, God, if you do nothing and never answer another prayer while I live on earth, I will still worship you as long as I live and in the age to come for what thou has already done. God has already put me so far in a debt to his love that a million millenniums could not repay him for all that he has done for me. Amen. So what do I love about this Advent? You see, Advent is a period of waiting. And Christmas we know Jesus fulfilled a prophecy from Isaiah, a prophecy that was given in a time of turmoil, a time of fear, a time of worrying. I really must get these notes in right order these days. You see, Isaiah, when he says, For unto us a child is born, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and when he says this baby we're called Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah is speaking into a situation where Judah felt powerless. There's a war, there's a terror, they were afraid. You see, their enemies were growing in strength and number around them. And they didn't know if God was for them or God was against them or if he had simply abandoned them. And yet this prophecy, this word about Jesus, that Jesus fulfilled, gave them hope and strength. We've had a, a, a prophecy in recent weeks. The famine is over. The famine is over. And I know for some that you can look at that and go, it doesn't feel like it. I haven't seen a change in my circumstance. Haven't seen anything change, really. Still got that struggle. Still got that health problem. Doesn't change the fact that the famine is over. God's word does not return void. And when Isaiah spoke into this terrifying situation that God is with us, it was centuries later before the fulfillment of Jesus being born, But a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. God is outside of time. Again, we're human. We can't understand his ways. His ways are higher than our ways. And when we look at a timeline, we see beginning and end, and it's all chronological. But when God sees it, he sees it all as now. He sees everything as now. It's in his hands, the beginning and the end. The alpha and the omega So when he says the famine is over, that should bring hope and peace and joy. You see, the four weeks of Advent start with hope. And when you are desperate, all you've got is hope. All you've got is hope. But when you get a word, the famine is over, that should bring peace. Because actually, it's dealt with. It's in God's hands. The famine is over. That brings peace. And you know a day is coming where the, the fulfillment, you'll see a physical, an actual, a tangible response to that word. Jesus is born. And when you get that, you get joy. Some of the most joyful people are when they've seen God move and a situation has turned around. You've gone from hope through peace to joy And the fourth week of Advent is love because all you can do in that moment is return the love that God has given to you. We love because he first loved us. And it just stirs in us a love for God even more. And then you move into another situation and the whole thing repeats again and you grow in love. You grow in hope. You grow in peace and you grow in joy. Because in this world, you will have troubles. That hasn't gone. That hasn't changed. But God has overcome the world. He is in control. He is sovereign. He is ever-present. He is ever-powerful. And He is good. God is good. And if that's a simple revelation, then so be it. But that's the revelation I need right now. And for many, I believe that's the revelation you need right now. That God's nature, God's nature is good. And He does good. And if you don't get that right now, if you can't see that right now, if there's something in your life that tells you otherwise, I get that. I pray for you. You know, I, I, I go to God and I say, God, turn it around. But more than that, I say, let them see your goodness in this. Let them have a revelation of your nature. Let them see your glory. For God is good. Amen. 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 Um, yeah, Father God, let's just stand. Let's just stand. I want to just just pray and, and, and I, I, like I said, I know there are situations in this room that are tough and I can't speak into them. I can't tell you it's going to be all right. I can't tell you that that thing you're facing is, is, is nothing. It is big, it's serious, it's, it's crazy. But what I can do is just remind you of who God is. So God, I thank you this morning for that revelation. I thank you, Lord God, for that word. Those simple words, good, and your goodness. I thank you, God, that you are good. I thank you, God, that this morning you reminded us that you chose us. I thank you, Lord God, that this morning you reminded us that your ways are higher than ours. And I thank you, God, that they are higher than ours. Thank you, God, for your sovereignty. I thank you, God, for your faithfulness. I thank you, God, for your wisdom. And so, Lord God, as we, as we draw this meeting to a close, Lord God, I pray for each individual in this room. I pray for each individual standing in this room right now that they may know your goodness. They will walk out of this room different today. That they'll have that revelation. They will have the understanding of your nature That they will turn their eyes to you and they will start to see your actions as good. Because you are good and you do good. Father, move in this room today. Seal it with your Holy Spirit. Fill these people again with your Holy Spirit. Fill these people again with your glory. Fill these people again with your goodness. That those who look on, Unsaved friends and family will look on and go, there's something different about you. Like Moses coming down off that mountain after being in your presence, there was something different about him. Let us move into situations this week, carrying your presence, carrying your glory, carrying your goodness. That people will look on and say, wow, I need to know this God and I need to know his goodness. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Come on, let's celebrate them this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your word in this place, Jesus.